Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Junior Wealth Management. And thanks for joining us again uh, this week for our live market updates, where we take a look at everything that uh, we saw last week and what we see coming up. Uh, to keep me informed on what we see in the economy, in the markets, and everything that's going on around the world. Uh, so let's uh, let's catch up on things as usual. Uh, remember, everything that we cover here is for information purposes only. Uh, do your own due diligence or reach out to us. Go to mikeonmoney.com. There you can find all our content. You can get a hold of us. Give us a call, email, whatever is easiest for you. Happy to answer any of your personal questions or anything uh, directed towards your portfolio or specific situations. Uh, remember, any ideas you have or any concerns you have, always reach out. We're happy to uh, at least get you some answers that might put you in the right path. So with that, with that, let's take a look at what's going on out there. We did miss last week. I was on the road traveling, so uh, so we did not get a chance to update you last week. But this week, just by ways of what's going on, we're looking for the housing starts for March out of the U.S. We're also listening, looking for the Canadian housing starts uh, for March. Uh, there are some news we're already starting to see in the in, in the housing market, uh, kind of showing signs of slowing down. Not really surprising. We started to see this a couple of months ago with the the volume, certainly the purchasing volume, starting to uh, slow a little bit. Uh, rising interest rates impacting those uh, those areas of housing. Uh, so, you know, if you were one of those people hoping to cash in big, doesn't mean that we're seeing big drops in prices, but uh, definitely seeing some uh, some slowdown in the activity. We're also looking for uh, some uh, Economic Club of New York events with the, uh, the Fed Reserve Bank of Chicago uh, getting together to, again, always trying to take a look at how they're going to try to orchestrate this soft landing with inflation, uh, try to get inflation to turn over here through the summer and, and uh, get the prices uh, back into or uh, back in line uh, with their inflationary targets. Also looking for earnings from uh, Johnson Johnson's, Netflix and IBM, but we'll talk more about those in a moment. As far as the opening call this morning, uh, stock futures wavered a little bit. We saw them uh, flux fluctuating between positive and negative this morning uh, as investors are kind of looking at all the corporate earnings that are about to come out, come out uh, and taking a look at kind of what we're looking at uh, as far as a going into the second quarter of the year. Uh, and pretty much the message is still, you know, inflation is a concern. It obviously spiked with what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, uh, and that's not slowing down. And, and if anything, you know, this week ramping up even further. So those, you know, that's really starting to affect the global economy. Uh, and, and pretty much everyone, or the, sorry, the consensus, I shouldn't say everyone, uh, but the consensus out there is that we're looking for some sort of pullback, whether it's a mild correction, uh, you know, recession, uh, the, the opinions vary, but we're definitely poised for a bit of a correction. So uh, be patient out there. It would be the message uh, I'd have for you if you have cash on the sideline. If you've got some good names that you're concerned about, don't have to sell. You can always trim, take a little bit of money off the table. That's always been a theme of our strategies is, you know, always think about taking a little bit off the table and having some cash uh, for uh, for a pullback day. Volatility doesn't mean anything bad. It can actually mean a really good opportunity. So keep that in mind. Uh, that's pretty much what we continue to see in the markets with, you know, really no strong signal to the downside, uh, but still a lot of concern for the upside.
Uh, Twitter uh, shares uh, fell this morning pre-market, just pulled just over 1%. If you're not following the saga, ongoing saga of Twitter with uh, Tesla's uh, chief executive, our CEO, Elon Musk, uh, kind of, uh, we missed last week to update you on this, but if you've been following it, of course, he went out and bought uh, the largest, at the time, the largest share stake in the company of 9.2, I think it was, percent. Um, he was offered a seat on the board, said no, because that would come with um, certain limits on how much he could buy, but also, you know, they want him to be a team player uh, with uh, Twitter's uh, board and as far as corporate messaging. And he's pretty much been out there. Uh, I think the term is trolling Twitter as far as, um, you know, what he thinks they should be doing or what direction they he thinks they should be going. So he threw out a bid. Uh, a pretty good bid as far as premium price goes to the, the you know the relative trading uh, relative trading uh, price the um, uh, you know the board wasn't on board with that uh, and now Apollo Global Management Group is considering uh, joining forces with him to put together maybe a stronger bid uh, as he would have to leverage up a lot of his Tesla stocks to come up with forty one billion dollars obviously his net worth is well above that but uh, not not necessarily all liquid. So we'll talk a little bit more of that in a second, kind of what's going on with the board of directors there. Uh, also out there uh, in the cases of testing for Pfizer's Paxlovid for treating COVID or long COVID specifically, uh, so far two patients have found pretty good release. One uh, relief, one being a, uh, a, uh, a researcher uh, who was suffering from long COVID. So this, you know, obviously two patients is not a pool. This is not an endorsement, uh, just uh, they're going to move into some clinical trials to see how uh, that can affect the, uh, the condition of those who are suffering from the long COVID. Uh, it can be pretty debilitating as far as the reports we've seen. Uh, so, you know, looking for that solution is uh, still on the horizon. So keeping a close eye on Pfizer as they work towards that. As I mentioned, the U.S. housing market, we're looking for those numbers uh, for March, uh, but all alarm bells are starting to ring. Uh, we're already starting to see uh, after the, the, the Treasury bond yield went up, into, mortgage rates have gone up. Uh, we're starting to see uh, some, some, some signs of weakness in the housing markets, both in the U.S. and Canada, uh, or I should say weakness, softening for sure. Uh, what that will translate into is hard to say at this point, uh, but that, that frenzy of overbids or uh, multiple bids uh, and, and selling above asking price is definitely starting to, uh, to simmer a bit. In fact, we're seeing, starting to see a lot of sales starting to go below asking price. Uh, and, and, and in some cases, no bid. So, uh, so you know, if you're a buyer, obviously that's, that, that's good news. If you're a seller, uh, you know, keep a close eye on it, but the, those hikes in, in mortgage rates have certainly, uh, certainly tempered some people's uh, uh, buying power. Uh, also out there, uh, the uh, on the U on the housing side, the U.S. home building sentiment has dropped to a seven-month low, as I mentioned, mostly around those mortgage rates. Uh, U.S. banks and commodity trading has started to uh, the risk exposure is starting to rise on the Russian conflict. So you know, as we've been following uh, through uh, through the recent markets, to the to the strongest sectors uh, that have performed well uh, going into this year have been materials. And uh, and energy, uh, they were they were actually performed well going into 
the, the Russian-Ukraine crisis. Uh, but with the, uh, the Russians' invasion, those have spiked. Uh, banks have increased their exposures uh, to those commodities. Uh, and of course, that puts more, more risk um, on, on what the outcome of that. So if there was some sort of quick outcome, which doesn't appear to be so, but if there was a sudden uh, outcome to, to that conflict and the commodity prices were to swing lower, uh, obviously, as you increase your exposure there, you're also increasing your risk to, uh, to a sudden movement. Now, we still like the underlying theme, as I mentioned, uh, energy and materials uh, was a, a stand-in theme going into January this year before the crisis broke out. Um, so that theme still holds true with inflation, but if we saw a sudden correction or turnover in inflation, uh, that would uh, that would put some downward pressure on both those. Uh, Soaring interests are also weighing a bit on the bank's uh, mortgage loan growth. Uh, so banks obviously love writing mortgages uh, as that's more uh, bigger loan books for them. Uh, as interest rates grow, that also means higher profits for them, but also means fewer mortgages. So looking at a bit of a slowdown there, uh, as banks look into the next quarter, feeling that uh, feeling that that buyers uh, being a little more hesitant to, to jump onto those higher mortgage rates. World Bank uh, says the war is actually cutting into global global growth. No surprise there. Uh, they have revised their outlook from three point uh, sorry from four point one to three point two for the 2022 forecast, basically on. The, uh, the, the repercussions from the Russia's invasion of Ukraine, uh, as, as we see commodity, as I said, uh, commodity availability uh, decreasing, but also the sanctions are also putting a lot of pressure on countries, not just Russia, but countries around the world as they try to shift business away from Russia and, and find uh, new and more efficient ways of doing things. Uh, U.S. CEO, those uh, pay is, is not suffering at all. We saw the pay structure soar about 31% on stock and cash rewards. Uh, obviously, I need to change my title out there, but uh, last year it rose to a record $20 million for the medium pay for top U.S. CEOs. Um, so if you're one of those, congratulations. Um, you know, enjoy your, your, big, uh, your big pay bump for 2021. Uh, let's take a look at what's coming up this week. Uh, Johnson Johnson, I mentioned, are uh, putting out their first quarter report. Uh, we are uh, we are still trying to get more details uh, as to their, their plan to split the company. Uh, if you followed this, they, they plan to have the consumer health business, kind of the, the soap, soap and care products split from the pharma and medical uh, devices into two companies that's planned to happen uh, during this year. Uh, and so we're still, uh, so we'll be looking for some more direction as to when, uh, exactly how that's going to happen and what the forecast for those, those two entities is going to be. We still like Johnson Johnson. It's a good name. There's a lot of different things going on, which is kind of driving the split. Uh, there's, you know, different, uh, different lawsuits, uh, that they've been settling, um, you know, whether it had to do, uh, with the opioids or, uh, they also had the talk for their Johnson Johnson baby powder issues. Uh, so both those things are being handled, um, in favor of what the market perceives for, for Johnson and Johnson. Uh, so things are moving forward on that front. Uh, but this split is also going to give a little bit more clarity as to their strategy with that going forward.
Netflix is also looking to release their first quarter resort results after market. Uh, and a bit of a warning for January to be a bit weaker in growth. There's a lot more competition on the streaming services out there. But really what we're looking for is guidance for the rest of the year. See what their plans are uh, you know, going forward with new names. Halliburton is going, going to be uh, putting out their numbers and it's expected to have a pretty good uh, jump on the first quarter, boosted by higher demand from the oil services. Uh, and equipment uh, producers to uh, who've been tuning the uh, turning the globe into pincushion, trying to find more oil as U.S. operations, you know, have been affected by uh, countries uh, moving away from them as a supplier, uh, and that's going to uh, add to Halliburton's profit. The real numbers that we'll have to keep a really close eye on, though, is the costs, uh, COVID nineteen infections among workforces. Obviously uh, difficult and also trying to high, hire skilled employees is pushing up cost of labor. Uh, Bank of Canada, or sorry, Bank of America executives are bullish though after they had a big, uh, big profit beat. A uh, bit smaller than expected growth, about 13% fall of first quarter, uh, mostly due to um, global deal making a slowdown, uh, but they're still seeing uh, a lot of uh, a lot of new business coming through the consumer the consumer lending, especially through the first quarter. Uh, and again, we'll look for direction into the second quarter as we see those interest rates go up. As I mentioned, Johnson Johnson just uh, settled a uh, West Virginia opioid litigation for about ninety nine million dollars, uh, and that's uh, that's one of several that they've now settled. Uh, so as I said, they've got a clear path as to kind of how they're going to approach this. The market tends to like it, uh, but we're going to look for more information after that split. As I mentioned, uh, Musk is targeting Twitter, uh, you know, as the board have adopted a poison pill approach. So poison pill, if you're not familiar, it's a, it's a right offering. It allows the company basically to dilute, dilute down shareholders uh, to uh, take his nine, uh, nine and a half, or just under nine and a half percent uh, ownership weighted down through sale of, uh, of more shares to other current shareholders. Uh, it's it's pretty common, so they've approved that. Obviously, they're not in favor of Musk taking them out, and that's if it will actually happen. This this kind of this whole story kind of evolved uh, in, in a very odd way, where he was buying up shares. He was a week late uh, disclosing that he was at uh, a major shareholder. Um, and so there is actually a lawsuit from shareholders out because he was a, a week late filing that. He filed it as it was a passive uh, investment, meaning he, he had no interest in really taking any kind of control of the company. And, and of course, making a bid to buy it out uh, is, is actually interest of control. So, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of things going on there. Uh, now, since, there, uh, since all this has happened, BlackRock, which is an investment firm, uh, who had a, a large stake in uh, in Twitter already have increased their ownership above um, above uh, Musk's ownership, so that he's no longer the largest shareholder. Uh, now that might just be a play on um, taking advantage of potential uh, stock price growth. Uh, should uh, should he become successful, or should 
other buyers come in and say, hey, we've, uh, if it's up for sale, maybe we want to buy it. So uh, we'll have to take a keep a close eye on kind of what's happening there. The big challenge with Twitter is they don't really make any money, right? They, they, they don't have a, a, a revenue stream uh, per se, or certainly they're not making a, a positive cash flow revenue stream uh, as a social media company. So it's difficult to kind of put a value on that. And you got to wonder, why someone's trying to buy it. And if they do buy it, whether it's Musk or anybody else, uh, how is that going to change the platform as whoever's going to buy it will be looking at turning that into a uh, uh, you know profitable business uh, at some point. As I mentioned, Netflix is, is forecast. Uh, the competition is heating up out there. So we're expecting those to be a little bit slower. Um, you know, especially after a pretty good eight years uh, of, of positive growth. Uh, and they're focused on their new lineup for the next season. Uh, they're bringing back Strangers Things and Ozark, which are very popular uh, on the streaming service. Uh, but we'll be looking for some new titles from them as well to see how they're going to, you know, keep bringing in more and more viewers uh, and maintain it as they've been increasing their prices as they go along as well. Verizon is making a move to raise minimum wage to $20 an hour for U.S. employees. So this has kind of been the theme out there, uh, although it hasn't been official with every uh, all companies out there or, or governments, for that matter, raising minimum wages. Uh, but we're definitely seeing that on the market. I've got two teenagers out there uh, about to, to, to start their summer work. And, uh, you know, I, they haven't quite equated the success that they're having as far as uh, job opportunities uh, and the higher pay that they're receiving this year versus, you know, the last year or, or previous years uh, in the sense that, you know, a lot of the minimum wage jobs are actually paying anywhere from 20 to $30 an hour uh, out there. Uh, they haven't equated that to that things cost more because I think, uh, I think dad's still paying too much for them. But anyway, uh, we are starting to see that a lot out in the job market. Uh, employers are having to pay more, even if the official minimum wages are still lower. Employers are bumping that up just to attract talent, just to get employees uh, in the door, because uh, that's the only way they're going to be able to service their clientele and, and, and service the clientele to the standards that they want to. And that's been a big challenge. If you've been out there shopping or to restaurants or uh, pretty much anything out there, if you're looking at buying, uh, buying goods uh, or, or engaging in services, uh, trying to get not just trying to get labor, but having quality trained labor. There's a lot of new labor. If you go to some of your favorite haunts, there's a lot of new labor out there. And, and I know the managers and owners are, are, are struggling to get them trained up to the level that they want them to be at and keep them in the long run. On the U.S. dollar front, we saw it go to its highest uh, number in two years against a basket of, uh, of European or international currencies. Uh, as uh, as we look at you know that concern on the market, as we've always said, the U.S. dollar will always do well when there's a flight to safety out there, and we are seeing more and more uh, people uh, or more and more people feeling uh, concerned about where the markets are. So we're seeing a bit of flight to, to safety. Also, we're seeing some higher interest rates come through. So you know the U.S. dollar, which was only paying you know about a quarter of a percent interest. Uh, out there, we're starting to see that uh, see that uh, go up a bit. We even saw a two-year note out just recently, uh, paying uh, over three percent over two years. It was an escalator, um, and uh, now they've come out with a couple of three-year ones. Don't like those as much, 
Uh, the two-year was interesting, uh, but the the uh, the U.S. Uh, paying more and Canadian dollar even higher than that, over four percent. Um, but those were longer notes, so not as attractive. But so we're seeing strength in the U.S. dollar. Canadian dollar is also showing strength. We're just over seventy-nine cents. We're looking at possibly, you know, maybe maxing out around eighty-two cents as long as we can keep our interest rate hikes in line with the with the U.S., which we've done so far. Uh, that should continue, especially with the strength of oil. We should continue to see uh, strength in Canadian dollar as well. Of course, over in Europe, uh, we're still seeing some downward pressures uh, with everything that's going on over there. Uh, the, con the, uh, the, the war between Russia and Ukraine uh, putting pressure uh, on that. And of course, inflation uh, reared its ugly head over there as well. On the commodity front, uh, oil edged a little bit lower, still holding strong above 100. Uh, we have seen it dip a little bit below and, uh, and then back above, uh, kind of around the 105, 106 range. Uh, there is a bit of concern of Libya adding some supply. But again, overall, the underlying theme, there, there's not enough supply to, to keep up with that strong demand. Uh, I do believe that that theme is going to be continuing through this year. Uh, you know, unless we have a massive turnover in inflation uh, and, and some of these projects really getting back online and correcting the, the uh, Russian supply issue. Um, but although even if we do have a, uh, an outcome or some sort of outcome to the war, uh, that doesn't mean countries around the world are all of a sudden going to be friends with Russia again and start buying up their supply. So that, that supply thickness will uh, likely continue. We're also seeing supply concerns around copper and aluminum, aluminum, sorry, uh, and, and you know that goes just back to the uh, the materials and base metals. Uh, again, an underlying theme of strength in those, and the war is only adding to uh, to that to supply issue. So with that, that's our catch up for this week. As always, reach out to us at michaelmoneyon.com if you have any questions. Uh, hopefully you managed to have a good long weekend and got to enjoy some of that sunshine out here in BC uh, as we've turned to rain. And I know back east, uh, they're actually forecasting snow. Uh, so stay safe out there. COVID is still a thing. We're starting to see a, a big bump in numbers. Uh, luckily, low hospitalization rates, which is, which is good. So continue to stay safe. Uh, if you're traveling, double check the rules. You know, they're constantly changing. Uh, you know, uh, even in the United States, we've seen some mass mandates come back into play, some of them being uh, dropped internationally the same. So stay safe out there. Enjoy yourself. And as always, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Bye bye now.